Well, today is a first. I'm co-preaching with my husband, so I'm inviting him to the pulpit. And uh, he's going to start off, but you have to come to the pulpit, though. Yeah, co-preaching, sharing the pulpit with my husband. He's going to introduce our topic for us. best part of the sermon, honestly, but what did Mary know as a brand new mother with her precious bundle trying to get the hang of motherhood? Much as they try to prepare themselves, first-time moms have a steep learning curve. Once a living, breathing, real-life baby joins the family. Parents spend 
quite a bit of time simply watching the baby breathe. You don't know how fascinating that is until you're a parent. As a new mom, Mary heard what the angel told her, that her son would be great. Well, don't all parents think that of their soon-to-be-born child? She was told that his name was to be Jesus and that he would have the title Son of the Most High, that her baby would inherit the throne of King David, that his kingdom would have no end. That's not what parents normally think about their children. Mary discovered through the shepherds that her baby would be a savior, the Messiah, the Lord. The angels and the shepherds knew more than Mary. They came to tell her who her son would be. We're told that Mary treasured these words and pondered them in her heart. And that's the biblical account of what Mary was discovering about her baby boy a few weeks into motherhood. And then, 40 days after the birth, Mary went to the temple with Joseph and the baby Jesus, and they encountered two elders who knew a whole lot more about their baby. We're in a sermon series entitled Jesus Through the Eyes of. We've been looking at people who encountered Jesus trying to see Jesus as they saw him. And this being the first Sunday of Advent, we are looking at people who met Jesus around his birth. And today we come to two elders, Simeon and Anna. Our passage is in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for their purification, well, it's really Mary's purification from childbirth, according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, we know by this offering that Mary and Joseph were poor. Otherwise, they would have offered a lamb and a pigeon. But this provision of two birds instead of a bird and a lamb was made for people who couldn't afford the lamb. (laughs) Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. Now, look at this man's character. This was a man of integrity whose focus was rightly on God. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's a very strange blessing. 
It's a dark cloud that Mary will experience. This was a divinely orchestrated encounter. Simeon was guided by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple that day. He understood the guidance of the Holy Spirit because he was righteous and devout. This was not the first time he'd had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit rested on him, signifying that it was a continuous state for him. And because of the Holy Spirit, Simeon knew for certain that he would lay eyes on the Messiah. Now remember that the Messianic prophecies were over 400 years old. Now that's older than our country has been in existence. So think about the clothes people were wearing back then and then another 200 years back. It's a long, long wait. But Simeon had a very special and unique promise from God that he would personally see the Messiah with his own eyes. So when the Holy Spirit told Simeon to go to the temple, he obeyed. He was the welcoming committee when the family arrived. So I want you to notice that before Mary and Joseph stepped one foot in the temple, God was already involved. So I want to pause right there and let that truth sink in. You see, God gets up earlier than you do. And God has ways that are much higher than your ways. And he has a salvation plan that supersedes all your plans for the day. And you might have thought this morning, let me get up and go to church like I do. Let me turn on my screen and go to church right now like I do. You may be in the habit of going to church, or maybe you just happen to come to church out of the blue today, but whatever the case, you should know that as you enter into a sacred space, God got here before you did, long before you even opened your eyes this morning. God was already involved before you pressed the button on your screen, and you may be just going to church, but God has a much bigger plan, which involves his divine spirit connecting with your human spirit. Now, sometimes we may not feel his Holy Spirit, and sometimes the Holy Spirit might knock our socks off, but whichever way you feel, Whatever else happens here, God was already at work to welcome you with a message that is just for you before you even got to church. Simeon was an old man. When was he given his promise by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah? It might have been decades earlier. Our translation says he was looking forward to the, com, to the consolation of Israel. Waiting is looking forward. That verb of that word has been translated in other translations as waiting, but I like the way our scripture put it, looking forward. Waiting, oh, we love to wait, don't we? It's our favorite thing, is it? <laughs> but this word, this particular word, Waiting word has the power to transform our concept of waiting from excruciating endurance to active participation. That's what that waiting word means. Another way to translate that word is being ready to receive oneself and eagerness to welcome. 
Simeon was so looking forward to meeting the Messiah. Do we wait on the Lord with impatience and irritation? Do we wait with gritted teeth? Do we barely hold on by our fingertips? Do we try to get out of our trials instead of inviting Christ into them? The receiving mindset rather than the escaping mindset is quite a shift. And that's what that word does for us. And look what happened when the parents brought the 40-day-old baby across the threshold of the temple. Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms and praised God. Now, I know that the baby Jesus was held by many people, as babies always are, but the only person specifically mentioned in the Bible as holding Jesus in his arms is this old man, Simeon. Imagine the welling up of his emotion at the fulfillment of God's personal promise. This man waited for Jesus years and years. And when Jesus came, he recognized him and he received Jesus to himself. We're going to turn from the old man to the old woman. And now we're in verse 20, 36 of Luke chapter 2. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then, as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. And see here, all who were looking for the redemption of Israel, that's the same waiting room, uh, word that we saw in Simeon's portion. Anna, much like Simeon, Anna has spent met many decades in spiritual discipline. And for her, it took the form of fasting and prayer and living at the temple. We don't know if there was an order of older widows who lived at the temple and had a specific religious function there, or if she was unique and the priest just said, let her be, give her room. She's here 24-7. So um, she's, she's an exception to the rule. But Anna was a 24-7 worshiper, and her worship is important work for her. Her deep patterns and routines of worship made her, too, a vehicle that the Holy Spirit could use. And she was so used to communing with God that when she saw Jesus, the praise, or was it the prophecy, burst out of her. Like Simeon, she recognized Jesus. Anna is the second witness at the temple to see and to know who Jesus is. The Old Testament law required two witnesses to establish the truth, and Luke has given us two, Simeon and Anna. <clears throat> of course, the Old Testament law, women were not accepted as witnesses, but Luke just blows by that man-made hurdle at top speed here at Jesus' birth. He'll do it again at the resurrection and all the way in between, too. Anna is the only woman in the New Testament who is directly described as a prophet. 
So she stands in a long line of Old Testament women like Miriam, like Deborah, like Holda, who speak the words to, of God and who bear witness to God's work. As a prophet, Anna de declares that a new era has arrived. And really, I want you to think about four old people who frame the birth of Jesus in the story in Luke. Elizabeth and Zechariah, remember that old couple, they stand witness before the birth, and Simeon and Anna stand on the other side once Jesus is born. And Anna, along with those other three elders, ably serves as transitions from the old covenant to the new. They amaze me, these elders, because they stand tippy-toe on the cusp of some tremendous foundation-shaking change, and they welcome it with elation. So often age brings bitterness or brittleness or cynicism. So often change brings fear and uncertainty and a reaction against it. These are options for us as we age. They're natural, well-traveled paths taken by seniors many, many times. So think about what those elder eyes have seen in the course of their lifetime. They saw some good, yes, but it was intermingled with a whole lot of bad. They'd all experienced pain and broken dreams. Anna would never have chosen to be a young widow, I'm sure of that. Elizabeth would never have chosen to be without children in her productive, fruitful years. All they've seen in the past, and yet their eyes travel far into the future to God's faithful promises, to God's work of salvation, which develop over an impressively long course of time. Against the grain, these elders are full of hope, full of joy. Why? Because God is involved with his unimaginably good ways, with his inconceivable, splendid salvation plan. I've spent some time mostly on the two elders because they're so willing to be used by God. I think about what Anna had to give up in order to live a life of worship. The sacrifices that both of them made to be righteous and devout. Was the discipline worth it? The hours of prayer day and night. The steady decades of devotion, the waiting with anticipation instead of gritty endurance. Think of the two of them in the temple that day, seeing the baby Jesus and immediately recognizing him through the work of the Holy Spirit within them. Imagine, after such a long time, holding salvation in your arms. The elders are vessels, really. The joy, the main focus is on the baby Messiah. So the real cargo of our passage is not them, but what they know and proclaim about Jesus. Simeon says Mary's baby boy is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Light, revelation, glory, that's a big scope. <laughs> to the Gentiles and to Israel, that's to the whole world. Could Mary and Joseph absorb these words? They could not have imagined that Americans 
2,000 years later in a small town church of Altadena wearing the very weird clothes that we have on, speaking English, would be welcoming Jesus as our light, our revelation, the one who brings the glory of heaven down to earth for us. They could not imagine us. They could not imagine the scope and the scale and the reach of Jesus' work of salvation. Anna, the moment she saw Jesus, she also began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna is not looking forward to her death. Simeon said, oh, now you may dismiss your servant in peace, he said. But Anna is busy with the work of proclamation. She wants to spread the good news of the gospel. She wants to tell everyone in earshot about Jesus. Proclamation is just flowing out of her. And what a challenge for us as we go into the Advent season. Who will we find to tell about Jesus, even as we celebrate what he has done for us? So what did Mary know? She was told a whole lot of information about her son from strange and unlikely sources, but hearing isn't always knowing and understanding. Mary is perplexed, scripture says. She's amazed, she's pondering, she's puzzled. Upon meeting Jesus, Simeon and Anna immediately belong to the spiritual family of faith. It will take Mary longer on her spiritual journey to come to know her son. She grew to know, but it was over the course of years. Now, everyone here is growing older. How do you feel about that? You are praising God? You're not as young as you were yesterday. I'm looking at the teenagers back there. Simeon and Anna were reaching the end of themselves. And Jesus shows up. Precisely when we have no more resources of our own to meet our needs. That's when Jesus shows up. Exactly at the point of human limitation and lack of control. That's where Jesus shows up. So I don't know what you are waiting for. And Voskamp says, the waiting on God is the very real work of the people of God. Waiting is work that the people of God have to do. Do you know it as work? If you've ever waited for someone, something, you know it is work. But the elders teach us to wait with the expectation that Jesus shows up in our waiting with the anticipation that the answer to our prayer is not as important as the one who is going to answer our prayer. And with the certainty that Jesus makes himself known in unforeseen ways through the limitations that chafe us. A baby is to be born. Let us receive him with joy. Let's bow our heads.
Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the baby that changes the world. And thank you that you have changed ours. We receive you today. We receive you maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time, but we open our hands and we receive you today. In Jesus' name, amen.